grieving. Some families will be lost to one another forever. To those of you who face the difficulties of reconnecting with family and establishing ongoing relationships, we say sorry. We offer this apology in the hope that it will assist your healing and in order to shine a light on a dark period of our nation's history. To those who have fought for the truth to be heard, we hear you now. You're listening to Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Sparrow. This podcast is a production of Jigsaw Queensland Post-Adoption Support Service. However, the views expressed are those of the people participating, not necessarily Jigsaw Queensland. The podcast discusses adult themes and listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, it's Joe Sparrow here and welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of Adopt Perspective podcast. It's such a cliche but 2021 has both spun past in a blur and at times has been a heavy load to carry for many of us. Parts of Australia, particularly Victoria and New South Wales, bore some of the longest lockdown periods in the world. And that would be challenging for anyone. However, I want to acknowledge that for people affected by adoption, for many reasons, it can be particularly so. For me personally, it was a year of learning and growth during my first year as Jigsaw Queensland's president. We achieved a great deal this year and I want to thank our management committee, Lois, Robert, Colette and Heather for their wise guidance and consistent support and Jigsaw, Jigsaw Queensland CEO Trevor Jordan for his tireless work for our organisation and for drawing on his decades of experience and knowledge to guide me through this year. I'd also like to thank our forced adoption support service team for their commitment to providing outstanding support to people affected by adoption. Your professionalism and hard work are greatly appreciated by Jigsaw and the clients you have serviced. We also recently welcomed a new forced adoption support service team leader this year, Carolyn Slade. And I know that she's excited to meet as many people as she can in the coming year and is looking forward to leading the team as they support people affected by adoption. Adopt Perspective really found its feet this year. We're no longer a fledgling podcast and throughout the year I noticed that the whole process of bringing it all together has grown so much easier. We have produced 23 episodes this year, bringing our grand total over two seasons to 44 episodes. That's a lot of work. Uh, Each episode requires hours, sometimes days of research, planning, production and editing. And the most important ingredient, however, are the guests who generously share their time, knowledge, experience and personal stories with us. I thank you with all my heart because your willingness to go there has helped people discover that they aren't alone and has shone a light on a path forward for them. You truly are an inspiration. So on that note, let's look back on the year that was. Our first guest of 2021 was Pam Codano. Pam is a marriage and family therapist and psychotherapist in the USA. She has lived experience as an adopted person and her personal insights have deeply influenced her work. Pam says her greatest passion is helping people awaken their human capacity to move from despair to living a life of meaning and empowerment, which she calls finding a deeper yes to life. 
Inspired by Viktor Frankl, she helps clients identify and cultivate what is uniquely meaningful to them, which allows for increased vitality and new possibilities. We spoke to Pam about her own experience as an adopted person and her brilliant book, 10 Foundations for a Meaningful Life, No Matter What's Happened. This book for everyone who has experienced suffering in their life, and it makes it highly relevant to not only adopted people, but to mothers, fathers, and all who've been touched by uh, adoption in some way. Pam spoke to us about meaning being the only antidote to despair, the importance of bonding, healing through direct experience, coping and essence identities, and strengthening our causes and banishing our againstness. Perhaps my favorite takeaway from her book though, is what she writes about attitude. Let's have a listen to what Pam says about attitude being our last freedom. Well, I wrote about that and that's something I learned directly from Viktor Frankl. I mean, that was one of his quotes is that that when a person loses everything, the only thing they have left is a choice to make around their attitude or how they, how they cope with the, the circumstances that they can't Mm -hmm. change. This thing about attitude is tricky because I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the United States, there's a lot of pressure to be positive and a lot of um, really, I think, dangerous and dam- damaging pressure to be positive when people don't feel positive. And to pressure people to be positive is like a way of not listening to them and not honoring them. So this thing about we have the power to mm, choose our attitude is not about positive thinking. It's really about accessing a true choice. So for me, well, and, and another thing is, and by what, what he means by attitude is really an orientation. So the orientation could be, the attitude orientation could be openness or patience or generosity or um, hard work or, uh, you know, something like that. Gratitude, whatever. So, um, for me, I know I'm feeling part of like in my essence identity, like I feel like my being my real self when I have access yeah. to generosity. That's, that's a clue for me. Like, that's my favorite orientation. When I'm in the mood to do things for others, I'm in a good place. So there are times when I'm in a bad mood or I'm, I just feel stuck in this mental state that's miserable or something. And I know I'll remind myself is there any way you can move into generosity that might help you unwind this mood? You know, and that's, that's assuming that if there's something I need to feel, like if I'm grieving something or I have to really address what, what's upsetting me, then, okay, I need to address it. I really do. But sometimes with, you know, with our, with our default network in our brains, our mind can just tell us all kinds of stuff and get us in a bad mood, you know, that isn't really stuff we have to grieve or deal with in the moment or just stuck. So in those cases, um, I'll just, I'll look for a way to be generous. That's my easy, that's my, my go-to, my first go-to attitude that I can look for. So an example is that a few weeks ago, well, you know, American Halloween, just like in the movies, <laughs> except this year was very different. I have this group of, <laughs> I have this group of, because no one went trick-or-treating, but I, I had this group of, I have this group of widows I've been working with for, for four years. We meet on Thursdays and there are nine of them and they're in their 70s and 80s. So I was thinking about them. I was in a bad mood and I was thinking about them on a Saturday and I had nothing to do that day, which is really a miracle. Like I, I never have nothing to do on a Saturday. So I thought about a really funny 
art project where I, I was going to make these shaggy ghosts, like, like a garland of shaggy ghosts for them. And so I made these nine strands of shaggy ghosts. And then I drove around to each of their houses and dropped them off with a little card. And it made them laugh so hard because these ghosts were just very unkempt and messy. And it was just sort of, it felt like what this year has felt like, but they were also really yeah. adorable. And, and so that activity took a lot of time, but it made me feel really, really happy. And it was meaningful because I was connecting to the world beyond me versus just, you know, sitting in a dark room and, you know, lamenting about how terrible my life is or something like that. <laughs> was such a great and uplifting and hopeful guest for our first episode of the year so I do recommend that you take a listen if you haven't already and definitely have a read of her book. Our second guests of 2021 were Kath Mundy and Jay Turner, a singer-songwriting duo who worked with the Jigsaw Queensland and our stakeholder groups to write a song to represent the forced adoption experience. They then performed the song titled Lost and Found with some of the group participants at the 2020 7th anniversary of the National Apology. And because COVID reduced the numbers of attendees at this event, it was performed again at the 2021 Apology event in March. You can have a listen to this beautiful song in the episodes which we were published um, on the 10th of February. On the 24th of February and the 10th of March, we released two episodes about the process of discharging an adoption. The first was a personal story with Michael Costello, who discharged his adoption a few years ago. The second was with our then Forced Adoption Support Services team leader, that was a mouthful, <laughs> Andrea Lynch, who spoke more generally about the process and things to consider, including thinking through the decision of whether to pursue a discharge and then how to deal with the emotional responses that may be experienced during the process. Let's take a moment to listen to a short excerpt of Michael's episode. For background, Michael was born in Brisbane in 1970 at the height of the closed and forced adoption eras. He was initially placed in an orphanage and then extended foster care despite his mother making several attempts to regain custody. Michael went on to be adopted by his foster carers at the age of five, where he was physically, sexually, and emotionally abused. Let's take a listen. Which makes me wonder too, Michael, um, it's sort of digressing a little bit, but what was your main motivation for wanting the discharge? What did you hope to gain from it? Uh... I wanted to be original recipe me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to hit the reset button. I, I, all of the things that happened to me can't be erased. Mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, a magical piece of paper that says, you know, uh, my original birth certificate. I just, I, I think it was helpful for me to establish, establish more of a connection to my birth mother. Yeah. Now, if I get sick, she's, you know, or I'm in hospital, she's my relative. She can be part of the decision-making process. Um, it's like you can date someone, but when you're married, there's more ownership, you know? It's so interesting that you said that. Um, so for you, it really, in your head, cemented 
that relationship in a way that I've often said to friends, you know, they say well, marriage is just a bit of paper. And I say, well, actually, the day I got married, everything felt different afterwards. I can't explain why. It just felt like you were a committed team in a way that you weren't before. A piece so of pa- a legal piece of paper is a legal piece of paper. And all of the checks and balances, that's what they use to make a decision. Mm-hmm. A piece of paper was the one that sealed my fate. I wanted another piece of paper that uh, that changed my my his my future, if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Yes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, it's not yeah. ideal for everybody. Like I said, I didn't have the perfect childhood, and not that anybody really has the perfect childhood, but mm. mine was pretty horrific, and I just wanted that not be associated with that anymore I wanted to be original recipe me in the process of me leaving my adoptive home I changed my name by Depol so that I could couldn't be found and so I could hit a reset button so mm-hmm. all the way through this whole thing I've been wanting to get away change and be a, a different me Our next guest was Professor Daryl Higgins, who spoke to us about the long-term impacts of past adoption practices and experiences for adopted people and mothers and fathers who've lost children to adoption. The findings came from a study called Past Adoption Experiences National Research Study on the Service Response to Past Adoption Practices, which Daryl contributed to and co-authored in his role of Deputy Director of Research at the Australian Institute of Family Studies. It's a really great episode to get a sense of how adoption has and continues to impact those affected. In the lead up to Mother's Day, we released three fantastic episodes with three different perspectives on the impacts of separation of mothers and their babies through adoption. The first was with author Susanna McFarlane and her mother, Robin Luber, who wrote a memoir together titled Heartlines, The Year I Met My Other Mother. The book is a fast-paced, warm, funny, and at times heartbreaking examination of adoption reunion from both sides. And that particular interview was one of my personal favorites because both Susanna and Robin have incredible insight into their experiences and share it with honesty and the hope it might help others as they navigate the reunions. And even just the fact that we were talking to a mother and a daughter separated by adoption together in the one episode is is fairly unique. Um, And so I really enjoyed interviewing them. The second was a well-known and much-loved figure in the Queensland adoption community, Vivian Timmermans. Vivian was an Australian champion figure skater with big plans for her future. Around the same time, she discovered that she was pregnant and her daughter was placed for adoption in 1980. Vivian spoke to us about her experience and the book she wrote about it. We also talked about her work supporting other mothers who have lost children to adoption through a support group she founded called You Gave Me A Voice. And finally, we spoke to Sue Bednars, an American mother who lost her daughter to adoption in 1986 and began the process of searching and attempting to reconnect with her then 18-year-old daughter in 2005. Suze began a blog to to document her journey and we spoke to her about her story and her experience. 
All three of these episodes were so powerful and timely as we approached Mother's Day, which can be such a difficult time for both adopted people and mothers. Let's have a really quick listen to an excerpt from Susanna and Robin's episode. So I've got one final question for both of you. Um, I would really like to ask each of you what the relationship has brought to your lives. Oh, well, I'll go first. <laughs> I, it's still to me, I haven't lost the wonder at what seems to me a miracle, really, given everything and all the ingredients that this, and I still can think, you know, can this really be? Are we really back together? And we have a really full relationship now. You know, we we argue, but argue normally. We have very, very close. It's just, you know, she's really absolutely integrated as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's my daughter with my other daughters. And um, so it's there's just, I just feel so blessed and very grateful. And it is, you know, that it's a wonder really. So it's yeah. my story. Yeah, and I the same. It's um well it's healing and it's completing. I mean, this this was my my reality, and my reality was half hidden. You know, it's when you see your original birth certificate and it's actually blackened, like it's actually, but that was that is part of who I am. And it's not just um my relationship with Robin, but I have I have all this other family that I love and love me. And for me, more is more. These people that say, you know, more less is more, I don't know who they are. You know, for me, it's just if there's a chance to have more people, um, and particularly my sisters, um, I have a brother and sister who I love. Um, and for me, it's not about taking from anyone, it's about adding. And I have um, more sisters who love me and my, um, you know, particularly the ones who are my half blood and full blood. They're just like, I couldn't imagine life without them. Not, not just for the, um, there is something incredibly healing about looking into someone and they look the same. My um, oldest sister who dealt very well with the fact that she was no longer the oldest, you know, because <laughs> she was like being the oldest in the family, but she's learning to accept her new diminished position. But, you know, for, for her as well, it's a gift, you know, because she gets someone to look out for her, you know, so it's not just, um, but it's all, it's hard, it's hard one, but man, it's worth it because you just get, I mean, you just get more love and you get kind of, for me, I get anchored and I get to be more firmly home and more firmly me. So and that's worth all the roller coasters. Twenty twenty one marks thirty years since the historic nineteen ninety one amendments to Queensland's nineteen sixty four Adoption of Children Act. The 1991 amendment entitled adopted people and their biological parents to receive identifying information about one another, unless the other third party had lodged an objection. It wasn't a perfect amendment and the ground gained was bitterly contested by a hastily formed adoption privacy protection group who wanted records to remain closed. However, it is important to celebrate the milestones along the way. And this was a significant one. Some in the adoption community did not benefit from these changes, and I make special note of inter-country adoptees who still lack the access to identifying information and family that many of us do. 
In the spirit of celebrating the hard-fought battle fought by mothers, fathers and adopted people to achieve these amendments in 1991, we lit up Brisbane's Victoria Bridge and interviewed former Queensland MP Anne Warner, who championed and sponsored the amendments. Over the years, the legislation has continued to be amended, opening access to more information. And the legislation will be reviewed again next year in 2022. And there are a number of key issues that Jigsaw Queensland will be making a submission about. It is also important that we remain vigilant and that the amendments do not start to slip backwards and lose any ground that's been made. In June, we released two episodes about adoption and addiction. The first was a personal story with Kevin Barheit, an adoptee and author living in New York, who wrote a memoir about his adoption, childhood sexual abuse, addiction and recovery called Dear Stephen Michael's Mother. By the age of 20, Kevin had succumbed to a suicidal lifestyle of drug dealing and prostitution. At age 45, and after many years of recovery, he began a painful journey to uncover his origins and the hopeful search for his mother. In the following episode, we spoke to David Boll about the relationship between adoption and addiction. David is an adoptee from the USA who is a clinical substance abuse counsellor, master addiction counsellor, and he currently works as an independent addiction and recovery consultant. He is a board member and addiction and recovery consultant to the National Association of Adoptees and Parents. In 2018, David published a book titled Parallel Universes, which won an excellence award in the category of addiction recovery. Let's have a quick listen to an excerpt from Kevin Barhide's episode. It was very shortly after that time, and you're right, there was a, a real domino effect. So the, the abuse happened when I was nine. My dad, just a couple of years later, and right around that same time at, at 11, I found my first drink with my best friend, Tony Rotundo, when we had a six-pack of beer each. Uh, first of all, I would say that it was just something to do. That was, Tony said, you want to do something on a Friday? I said, sure. And I'd never done anything like this before. I had had drinks when I was younger. My dad used to give me a sip of this and a sip of that. So I think I had a taste for it. But Tony and I drank a six-pack each. And for an 11-year-old to drink a six-pack of beer on the railroad tracks, that sounds like a lot. Um, I couldn't get enough. The next morning, I remember waking up and I didn't feel so great, but an 11 year old can really bounce back, I think, physically from maybe that hangover that you and I would probably suffer greatly from now. But one of the things that I remember distinctly, and I think I wrote about it in the book, was really understanding that this was what the, this is what I was looking for. This is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Now I knew what I was going to do. And I think that what that started to provide for me, and I think that's a really good word is provide, is kind of a covering, just a coating, just a light dusting on that unraveling, a real coating, a salve maybe on the real, the real destitution that I was starting to feel. Because now I was not only losing my father, not only losing that sense of family that I had because my mother could take care of my father, my father couldn't take care of my, himself, and they were expecting me to take care of myself, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, it probably wasn't even unreasonable. Maybe some, some kids would be able to. But also, I was also dealing with the abuse that had happened and the feelings I had from that, the sense of worth I had from that. And unbeknownst to me, I think I was dealing with the sense of loss from my adoption. 
that relinquishment was there. It was buried, but it was there. And all these pieces were just bubbling up and hurting and suffering and the confusion was there. But the alcohol just was a salve at first. And then the drugs became, I think, more of a, a blockage, a way of me blocking out all of those feelings and those fears. And I was really demoralized. Uh, I don't think it was a conscious choice for me. I don't think there was some effort for me to try to fix things. I wasn't, I didn't know I was doing that. Uh, it wasn't like an adult drinking so that they can say, uh, you know, uh, you know, pour away their, their sorrows for an evening. It wasn't something like that. Uh, but inside of me, I was just looking for some way, some, some way that I didn't have to feel like I was sacrificing who I was to have just an hour or two of, of calm, of inner peace yeah. and joy. We next spoke to Joe Sturman and Ruth Lolly about the experience of adoptees who live through the stolen generation and the amazing work that Link Up Queensland do. Joe Sturman was adopted by a Dutch immigrant family along with two other younger children and they named him Robert Sturman. He spent his childhood living between Australia, the Netherlands and Papua New Guinea. Joe took on his birth name Joseph following his reunion in 1992 and is now known as Joe. He is an artist and has served as a board director and a staff member within the Link Up Queensland organisation and has had an association with the organisation for 27 years, beginning as a client in 1992. Ruth Lolly works as the research manager at Link Up Queensland, enhancing the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are forcibly removed from their families as children or are affected by forcible removal policies. This includes work with elders, mums, dads, grandparents, aunties and uncles, sisters and brothers to reverse the cycle of transgenerational trauma and to restore community health, resilience and well-being. I had the great honour of being invited to join Link Up Queensland to share a morning tea with staff and clients in October and talk about Jigsaw Queensland services and the podcast. And it is such a great service that Link Up offer. And I had some wonderful conversations with attendees and made some fantastic connections there. So thank you so much for having me, Link Up. And we look forward to working with you very closely in the future. Our next two guests were Bernadette Davison and Linnell Long. Bernadette is a mother who lost a daughter to adoption in Cairns, Queensland in 1985 at the age of 18. She shared with us her story of that time and how this loss impacted her life in the years afterward. Her reunion story and how attending a federal forced apology anniversary event in Western Australia where she now resides changed everything. Linnell Long is a Vietnamese adoptee born in the early 70s who now resides in Sydney. Linnell founded the Intercountry Adoptee Voices or ICAV in 1988 and has built it into a global network in the intercountry adoptee community. She is, a she is tireless in her advocacy for this group and in her efforts to amplify their voices and is greatly respected by all who work with her. We spoke about so many things, but of particular interest was a new educational video resource that ICAV created for professional teachers, doctors and counsellors to educate them about intercountry adoptee experiences. 
The videos are a brilliant resource and I suggest that in addition to listening to this episode, you check out the ICAB website and watch the videos and let the professionals in your life know about them. Let's have a little listen to what Linnell has to say about the videos now. So we've just, um, we've just created a video, which is a pretty amazing um, series of videos, which are designed to educate, you know, three of our key kind of professionals who our lives interact and intersect with at many points. So these um, professionals are GPs, teachers and counsellors. And um, what, what we've recognised from a lot of feedback from intercountry adoptees over the, over the past years is that we'll often kind of intersect with these people, but yet if they don't know about adoption, they often will treat us and they won't refer us to the, the right appropriate supports that they could have. Yeah, so I guess absolutely. what we're trying to target with a video like this is to try and shortcut the referral process and get it there earlier rather than later um, and make sure that adoptees are actually being led to the right services much earlier in their life when they're struggling rather than it bottling up for 27, 30 years and then suddenly going, oh my God, I've got adoption issues. I didn't really realise. Um, I mean, that's how it was for me, right? Yeah. Um, and it's a lot to unpack when you've kind of at that stage of your life where you're trying to get a career and your whole life together. It would be much better if, you know, say in our primary school years when we came across a teacher, if they were more uh, educated on the things to understand about adoption, the loss, the trauma, and if they were saying to our families as well, hey, you know, if you thought about getting some support for your child because we can see they're, they're struggling with a few things, um, that would just be such a better way to kind of, you know, foster some some better supports in place yeah. for that person. Yeah. I mean, you go to a GP's office and the only yep. time adoption comes up is when they say, what's your medical history? And you're like, oh, and, I'm and you say, no, I don't have anything. And they move on. And yeah, they go, okay. on, right. They <laughs> yeah. don't even pick it up. They don't even pick it up. So our yeah. videos are actually saying what we want doctors to understand so that yeah. they don't just move on without even recognising all of the stuff that adoption carries and that they go, oh, ding, I remember watching a video about that. Maybe I should refer <laughs> that adoptee to a trauma counsellor, you know, yeah. someone who understands adoption who can help them unpack all of this stuff. Yeah. So this is why we've done these videos. And it's funded by the federal government um, of Australia mm -hmm. um, through Relationship Matters, which was the provider for our free counselling service. No longer, though, they, it's now done by Relationships Australia. but. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very, it's, they're very amazing videos and I've just finished them. They're only, you know, they're only short because we know that professionals are very time poor. They're very busy people. They don't have a lot of time to watch, you know, huge documentaries. So we've kept them at that 10 minute mark mm -hmm. um, where they can just grab snapshots. And then if they are more interested in, in finding out more, you know, it, it sits on the ICAV website where they can have all the in-depth kind of, you know, resources mm. behind that. So um, I'm looking forward to launching that at the end of this month um, and the adoptees who've been involved in this project you know it's incredible to hear their voices and to see them sharing you know these very important issues that we all live that we can all relate to but yet for the general public it's like it's new they're like yeah. oh wow I didn't realize that adoption was so kind of challenging and complex and you know so much involved I hadn't really thought about all of that
and suddenly it was September and the lead up to Father's Day. We released two episodes with Dr. Gary Clapton, who is a father who lost a daughter to adoption in 1970. He is also a social worker who conducted research into adoption at the University of Edinburgh and is a member of the Fathers Network Scotland and an advisor to Birthlink. We spoke to Gary about his personal story and about his adoption research with a particular focus on fathers. These are great episodes, in particular because fathers are a voice that we don't often hear from in the adoption community. Skipping ahead a bit to our two most recent episodes of the season, we spoke with adoptee Colette Glazebrook. Colette has served on the board of Jigsaw Queensland for more than two decades and is the sister of our CEO, Trevor Jordan. We spoke to her about the lifelong legacy of adoption, weathering its storms and rejoicing in the sunny days. Colette has a great deal of experience with both. She shares her incredible adoption story and offers some wisdom as we all work towards healing. Now in square dance fashion, let's now take a step back to November when we spoke to filmmaker Rebecca Autumn Sampson about her documentary, Reckoning with the Primal Wound the first film to explore Nancy Verrier's landmark book, The Primal Wound, Understanding the Adopted Child. I love talking to Rebecca, or as I now call her, Autumn, and we had some wonderful feedback from viewers who attended the first in-person screening in Australia, hosted by Jigsaw Queensland in November. It really is a wonderful film, and we'll have a review from a mother who attended the screening in our Summer Bits and Pieces newsletter, which is due to come out in the first week of December. Okay, that concludes the review of 2021. However, I wanted to leave you with a teaser for our first two episodes of 2022. We are thrilled to announce that we interviewed the author of The Primal Wound, Nancy Verrier, and it was such an honor to have a virtual sit down with her for Adopt Perspective. And let me tell you, we have some fantastic interviews lined up for the year to come. So on that note, I'll let Nancy take us out with an excerpt from her episode and wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a safe and happy new year. And I look forward to offering you some new perspectives next year. Bye for now. So can you tell me what have we misunderstood about babies and their awareness, memories, bonding and emotions in the past? Well, for one thing, babies know who their mothers are. Yeah. You know, and all mammals do. You know, we are mammals. And the more I study about different mammals, the more I see that, yes, they, they know who their mothers are. And they know by all their senses who she is. And so when they're given to somebody else, they know that's not that same person. And, um, and so that take some time for them to get used to the idea that they're not going to be with that person that gave birth to them. Yeah. I mean, it's not even a thought. It's really just instinct or sense, sense, sensual feelings. Yeah. But, um, and as I say, you know, I grew up on a ranch too, and I could see that's the way it is. I mean, all those baby lambs out there, they know who their mothers are. Yeah. You know, and uh, so human babies do too. And so it's not as easy as we think it is. It's easy for us because we, 
we just want this little baby and we're just thrilled to death. Mm. But for them, it's a transition and sometimes very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's really a kind of trauma. And um, I, I think for the mothers as well. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll-free 1800 210313 or you can call Jigsaw on 07 If you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Joe Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. Thank you.